Welcome to Resellology Podcast. My name is Melissa Vandridge, and I am a full-time reseller. This podcast is mainly about my business and about what I'm doing with my business. It's mainly to document my journey and to be able to A, reflect on where I've been and how far I've come, but also to try to help people along the way. Let's talk about tools. So recently I was made aware of a tool that I didn't know existed until somebody on Instagram, um, a friend of mine on Instagram said, hey, have you used this yet? And I was like, no, I have no idea what it even is. So I went and checked it out. And so I, I think it was Wednesday. I went, checked on Wednesday and Thursday and then Friday, it kind of went down. So right now it's not working, but I was able to use it for two days while it was working and I see the potential so when they iron out their bugs and hopefully they iron out their bugs this weekend if not I'm hoping for early next week because um, I did sign up because I was like you know what I'm going to use this tool this is something I will be using after using it for two days I realized this is something that's going to be invaluable so let me tell you more about it okay so it's called snap seller tools it's all one word if you look it up right now you can even see they even have like a it's kind of like a active issues tab page on their website it doesn't give you any real information it just tells you way hey, we're having an issue it's reported this is when it was reported and we're working on it but there's no ETA nothing nothing tangible to see when it's going to be done which I hope they they give updates you know we're still working on it whatnot even if they're still working on it, I hope they start giving updates on that website but you know that's that's nominal what it does is you go on to eBay or Poshmark and you type in something like J. Crew sweater, right? It's a very broad thing. Now, I think it works better more with broad terms, but I, again, it was a little slow when I was using it and I don't know if it was just slow or it was just having a problem working and it was having issues even when I was using it. But hopefully, like I said, once it gets hammered out, this is going to be a dynamite tool. So, what it does is it brings up and it's a Chrome extension. So it'll be a little box that pops up off to the side, kind of over the advertisements on eBay. And uh, it'll be like average sale price and it'll give you a number. And then it'll tell you the sell through rate, which is kind of fantastic because otherwise you have to kind of manually calculate that. It'll tell you the sell through rate. And what it does is it eliminates, this is just for eBay, it eliminates auctions and it'll eliminate the top like five most expensive ones, like the outliers, the ones that really skew, skew the uh, sell-through rate and it'll skew the average sales price because it's not the average. It's really just like those were some outliers and so it kind of takes those away so you're not getting like, oh, it's this high and it's really not. It's really much lower for normal people with normal sweaters because maybe there's like a really... I don't know, sought after one at one point, but not really right now. Anyway, so it'll tell you the sell-through rate and it'll tell you a suggested price. Now that suggested price will change based on a preset, right? So you have to go into the extension itself and man go and manage your extensions and then it'll be extension options. Like if you scroll all the way down, it'll be options. And in these options, which I can go to because that part still works. <laughs> So in these extension options, you can have you can limit the search results to be 600. Right now I have mine at 600, but you can limit it to 100, to 1,000, to I think whatever number you want. 
right now I do have checked exclude auction items. It includes shipping costs when calculating average sale price. Actually, I want to uncheck that because I don't want it to include shipping price. Um, include, and that would be important though if you do free shipping. So um, I think, I just don't want it to include that. I just want the no, the, just the price. I don't want it to include shipping. Um, and then I'm going to actually take off include items sold when best offer was accepted. Actually, no, I'm keeping that. And it says, oh, it's the top, not the top five, it's the top 5%. Removing price pricing for the top 5%. And so show detailed data, which I do want to see. Now, I have it set to custom because I wanted to check out what that was like, but you can have it at aggressive, intermediate, and conservative. So aggressive will be kind of like the lowest price. You know, it's going to price it lower, like your suggested price will be lower. Intermediate would be somewhere in the middle, and conservative will be like towards like a more expensive one. But then there's a custom one, and if you pick the custom one, you can change the percentage. But right now it's automatically sent to like zero, between zero and 20% sell through rate. Uh, do this at 68% of the ASP. Uh, suggest 68% of the ASP. 21% uh, to 33% sell through rate. Do 76% of the ASP. And the ASP is the average sale price. 34% to 66% sell through rate, 90% of the uh, ASP. And then 66% to 100% sell through rate is 100% of the ASP. And then 100% plus. So if there's like something that has like 130% uh, ASP, or sell through rate, sorry, 130% ASP rate, then it's going to say do 120. Um, no, I don't. I'll be honest, I don't exactly understand how it gets above 100% when it calculates the sell-through rate. I'm not real I'm not real savvy for that anyway. But yeah, so it's going to suggest 120% because obviously if it's sell-through rates that high, it's a high item and it's moving fast. And so you can price it higher than, you know, and someone's probably going to buy it still. Anyway, so those are your options. And so that's how you get your suggested price. And when it works well, it also tells you at the bottom the detail part. Now, remember when I said, oh, check details? That was still checked. The, uh, it'll tell me limit is 600, so it'll tell me how much it searched through. Um, it'll tell me how many is available right now as of that search. Of those, how many are new, how many are used, and how many have been sold in the past. And that's kind of a good indication. You can actually use this, especially for eBay, to know whether or not you should do a uh, promoted listing above like 1%. Like you might have to do 1% because of how promoted listings work now. And that you kind of, well, I don't know. I guess it's different if you're the only one. If you're only one with that, your, your listing should still pop up with no promoted listings. So I guess, you know, if you're like one of three people that have the item, and it's a hot item, then you probably don't need promoted listings. Although you might still, but I don't think you would at that point because there's so few. But you can kind of judge where you should put your promoted listings kind of based on how many are available in the market, how fast they're actually selling. And it might be easier to figure out what should I be setting because, I mean, I think a lot of us are setting like either the, the trending rate or we're just setting a flat rate of 6% or 7% or 3%. Some people only do 1%. And maybe on some of these items, especially if they're more 
on the higher end of things and there's some competition, maybe you do want to push that towards the front and maybe it gets sold faster that way. I mean, it's all theory. I mean, you play around with it because that's probably your best way to do it. Anyway, so this also works on Poshmark the exact same way. Now, you don't have to exclude auctions because there is no auctions on Poshmark, obviously, but it'll still exclude the top 5%. And so, and those might be ones that were bundled and were sold for way cheaper. And so since you can't differentiate if something was sold in a bundle rather than on its own for that price, that's also a good idea because then you're just kind of getting the, maybe the true amount that should be put on the true market. So I was starting to do aggressive. So it's basically below market value by slightly. It's slightly below market value. Um, I might play around with the custom settings since I can set my own percentages. I might start playing around with that and seeing if that will give me, I don't know, a not a better number because I think I think the aggressive one is actually a pretty good I think I like that part. So it depends on the kind of seller you want to be. You want to be a a fast flipper or do you want to be a slow seller? And there's nothing wrong with either one. If you want to be fast, then great, be fast because there's something to be said about getting, turning around that money. But if you want to sit on your items and, and wait the amount of time it might take for those to sell, whether it to be a week, a month, a year, because you know the potential of that item and you're going to wait for that potential, and that's perfectly okay. Because both, I don't like it when people pit one against the other as like, oh, well, fast flipping is better or being a slow seller, a long tail seller is better. Neither one of them are better. They're just different, right? I could argue that you could make probably the same amount of money. Um, but there is an argument for the, the long tail seller that doesn't have to do as much work because a lot of times that they pick higher value items, uh, not always, but some a lot of times they pick the higher value items to list. That way they're sitting on it, but they're sitting on like, items that are worth over $100, right? Not everyone does that, right? I used to be a kind of that school of thought, but my items were never that expensive. So I was doing just the same amount of work for like a fast flipper, but I was holding on to a lot of stuff. And, you know, in the first couple of years, you know, some people pick up on it really easily and they sell, you know, they sell everything that they touch and everything works out for them. And I honestly think I've learned more because it hasn't always just worked out for me, right? For the vast majority of us, things just don't happen to work out. For some of those people, it does, but not everyone. Um, sometimes that person has just like one of those engaging personalities. And so they do social media and they explode on social media. Therefore, they get all these people and all these people are now shopping with them because they follow them on Instagram. They kind of like, you know, their whole, the the whole package that they're selling them, basically the whole aesthetic, if you will. But not all of us can do that. Not all of us want to do that. That's just, eh, just not my style. I don't, um... I don't do these stylized photos. I don't, and it's just not something I even want to do, rather. You know what I mean? Some people do, some people don't. So, um, and I don't think mine, my personality is 
generally that dynamic. I think I'm kind of polarizing sometimes because um, I kind of just say how I feel. I say how I think things are and I don't sugarcoat anything because I don't like it when people do. That's just one of my pet peeves when people just sugarcoat something too far. Anyway, I'm going off topic. So that tool I think is going to be amazing when it actually works. So check it out and you might want to just wait until it starts working again and, and follow their issues tab and then um, and then try it because you can try it for a couple days for free and then um, see if you want to use it or not. But I am definitely going to use it for my business because I think it's totally, totally worth it. Okay, so an update on ThreadUp. So last month I sent in 32 boxes. This month I will not be sending in that many boxes. Unfortunately, I've... I know I've had some technical difficulties this month, so that's okay. I will get out as many as I can, but still I did 32 in December. Now some of them have been sitting there since the middle of December. Like they just haven't moved. So they must have been, they must be overwhelmed obviously because they have a lot of boxes from probably a lot of people. I don't know how many states that Arizona warehouse services. So I'm in Washington. And I send all my boxes to Arizona, to Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm sure that they do Phoenix. I'm sure they do California. Um, I don't know. Maybe they don't do California. Maybe California does California. I don't know. But why would Washington have to go all the way to Arizona if there was one in California? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know where all their location, their warehouse locations are. I really want them to make one up here come on throw it up make one in Washington because then my stuff will get there faster <laughs> I'll even drop it off save you some save you some money depending on where it's at <laughs> but anyway so a bunch of them started processing um, at the end of this week and a bunch of them finished processing like I think like seven or eight of them processed on Friday one processed this morning and I, I think what must happen is that there's a human intervention for the pictures and whatnot. And they pick, I'm sure they pick certain things on probably some kind of checklist in a program. And I think their AI takes over and processes everything else, puts everything in place and puts in descriptions. And I think that's why sometimes they're really wrong. I don't think a person's doing that. I think it's happening based on what the AI believes that to be and then when they make a mistake then that's when we send them a message or we send them an email saying hey this isn't really what that how this is so then they then they fix it but that, that's why I think sometimes because things are processing over the weekend too like I'll, I'll have some bags that end up processing at the very end of Sunday. I don't know if they have people working on the bags on the weekend sometimes. They might. They might do that to catch up like a, a like an overtime project. That's what I would assume. If it was my company, I, that's what I would be doing. On the busy seasons, I would be offering lots of overtime for so we can catch up or getting in temporary staff to help um, the, the full-time staff catch up on the bags so they're not so overwhelmed because it's not... Um, it's not a fun environment when you work for an environment that is overwhelmed by inventory because people have a hard time with that. I never did, but a lot of people I worked with did. Anyway, so a bunch of them got processed and for the most part, the pricing is right. There's a few things that they priced a little low, but I'm, it's not 
enough low that I think it's going to be a big problem. Like it's like twenty to fifty dollars too low on some things. But I think I'm just gonna let those go because a lot of them are being processed and I can't wait to see what it what happens, you know, when those other bags get processed. Oh but here is a lesson. One of my whole boxes got lost. Like it got checked in by thread up, but then they couldn't find it again. So they first tried to pay me out $72 for that box. Here's what we think your potential would have been. Eh. No, that is not at all true. My potential would never be $72, especially the boxes I packed in December because a lot of those were, were packed with intention, right? So in the beginning, I was getting rid of a lot of old inventory, stuff I bought years ago, stuff my mother had bought that she I basically bought off of her because, and you know, it wasn't that great of stuff. Honestly, it just really wasn't. That's not throwing shade. It just really wasn't that great. You know, it's not brands I would even pick up. And so I just kind of shoved a lot of it off there and just to see you know what it would do I got five six dollars here for a lot of those pieces and that's fine because you know honestly I paid 50 cents for those items if I got five bucks out of them I was happy and not having to photograph them you know what I mean so um yeah so that was a means to an end to get rid of a lot of old stuff that I was just kind of hoarding in my basement nothing was listed and I just wanted it out but in December I was picking things specifically that were on a specific range for ThreadUp. So I wrote them back and I said that's unacceptable and I didn't hear back from them. And then I had to contact them via the website and the chat feature uh, for something else. And I said, hey, what about this other bag that you guys paid me $72 for, but that's not enough money. That would have been, I don't even think it's enough money uh, because there's a couple things I actually paid up for at, at a, like a thrift store and put in that specific box that, um, you know, that would maybe cover the cost of that box, not the cost of how much I was, I was going to potentially make off that box. Anyway, so the lady said, send a list and what you remember was in that box. So I did. I haven't heard back yet. So on Monday, I'm going to send another email. Say, hey, I sent you an email, blah, blah, blah. I haven't heard back from you guys. Are you working on this? I will email them literally every damn day if it takes that. And I will contact them every day if it takes that to get my actual potential out of that box. Because I think what they do is when they do lose it, and, you know, and I don't know what their percentage is on how much they lose. I don't, they, this is the first box they've lost of mine. Now, I've, I've heard others saying, oh, they lost my box, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you got to compare that against how many boxes they get every day and how many they do process and how many they don't lose. I'm, I'm sure they don't lose the vast majority. And it probably is really low on their lose rate, right? On their lose rate, loss rate, loss rate. That's probably the right the right way. Anyway, so I, I I wouldn't think it'd be that high, honestly, but I think 
what they're betting on is a lot of people are just sending in things and they're like setting it and forgetting it. Those are the people that probably aren't raising their prices. They probably don't give a crap what happens to that stuff. And they're probably not reclaiming it when it, you know, when it expires. And so if they lose their box and they all of a sudden have $72 in their, in their thread up account, they're like, cool. And then they move on with their happy day. But then there's those of us who pay attention and that do raise our prices and do know the potential that was in that box. And I know we are the thorn in their side and I'm okay with that because I'm hoping it results in a much higher payout than $72. That really kind of, I was like, hmm, no. Now I've heard of other people that their boxes have been lost and they got paid out handsomely because they knew it was in the box. Here's the, here's your lesson. A, be relentless, because you'll need to be. I learned that from working for uh, working for providers, being um, an insurance biller, I'm billing the insurance. You have to be relentless to get them to pay you sometimes. Also, write down everything you send. Now, not all boxes I was good at, so good about doing that. I am now, like 100%. Everything gets written down on my computer, I pack everything in my office, I'm writing it down on my computer as I go, and I'm saving it to my spreadsheet. Make sure you have a list so you know what was in there, so you know what they should be paying you out as. So they're gonna have to value everything I sent them, um, and they're not gonna be marking me down for where, because they can't see it, because they lost my items. And we'll see see how that pans out so I'll I'll tell you in a future episode if I get paid extra money but I thought I'd talk about that because not a lot of people talk about anything when it comes to thread up honestly like I've scoured like Instagram and I can only find really old stuff or it's like or these it's these thread up influencers right or these influencers that are ordering thread up boxes which isn't really helping people that are selling basically selling three thread up and um, I don't know. So I'm going to talk about it if no one else is. Why not? But yeah, if that happens to you, don't freak out. Oh, and how it will be in the, um, in the app, that's how I figured it out, is that it says, there. oh, looks like there's a problem with this box. Please contact customer service. And it wasn't until I contacted them and they investigated it that they gave me the $72 in the first place. So... I don't even know if I never contacted them, would I ever get that $72? So just pay attention to the app because um, that bag did not show up online and I, uh, I I can't find it anywhere. So if you're on Android, it must show up there on your Android app at some point. But yeah, keep, um, pay attention to what's going on in the app and your boxes. And if they're taking too long to process, send a message to them during the times that they're open saying, hey, can you check in on this? Because they will. They'll check in on a bag on you and they'll let you know, oh, it's still processing, whatnot. Because I have a bag that's been processing since the second of the year. And I'm like, it's been like 15 days. How long? Other bags have processed and been done in that amount of time. So I'm going to have to send another message. You're like, oh, we're working on it. And you're still working on it? Anyway, that's that's all I have to say about ThreadUp today. For the longest time, every time I would go to the bins, I would always think 
there has to be some use for all this Forever 21, all this H&M stuff. I mean, some people do like it. They'll, they'll pull it and they'll just take it home and wear it, right? And I mean, they do have a lot of cute stuff. It just doesn't resell well, right? So I've always thought of, you know, maybe I should lot up some of the stuff. I get like the same sizes, like five Forever 21, you know, tops for whatever amount of money to see if I can like maybe sell it off that way. Because I thought, you know, there's there's some potential here being lost. And then it occurred to me when I was looking at a few different Instagram posts about selling things to Plato's Closet. And I've always kind of discounted selling things to Plato's Closet because I'm like, oh, well, you know, you only get a couple bucks for it, blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. If I get a really, like, light and in style and gently used Forever 21 top, because honestly, a lot of this stuff is not destroyed. A lot of it's in perfect condition. It's just that someone wore it one season and they threw it away because it's cheap fashion. It's fast fashion and therefore it doesn't, you don't need to keep it in your closet for 10 years to justify the cost of buying it, right? Honestly, some probably, someone probably paid $5 for that top and because it was on sale and they're trying to get rid of it and people don't care about clothes that cost them $5. They just don't. They wear it for a summer and then they're done with it. I think I'm, well, I started doing this a couple days and I'm pulling the good stuff, the good stuff I come across at the bins, the good like H&M, Gap, and uh, even J. Crew, like the men's J. Crew stuff. I think I'm going to pull it for Plato's Closet because I that's a, a potential another income stream. So there's a couple of Plato's Closets around me. And the closest one to me, I live in Everett and it's Linwood. So I'm going to take up a bunch of stuff I have and I'm going to take it over to Linwood and I'm going to see what they give me for it. And honestly, if they give me like two, three dollars per item, I don't know if it'll be that much even, but if they give me like at least two dollars per item, it'd be kind of worth it, right? So that's 25 items would be like 50 bucks. Well, usually I pay like a hundred dollars for the entire haul that I get at a time, unless I go much way over a hundred pounds and then it's, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, if I can sell off 25 items for 50 bucks instantly, that'd be great. So I haven't done it yet. Maybe I should have waited to talk about it after I'd done it, but I haven't. Maybe just, you know, think about it. What do you have? Now I realized in my inventory, in my second closet, I do have some Forever 21 and some H&M pieces and stuff like that. Now the really interesting like H&M, well, I have found some really interesting H&M like blazers and like jackets that came from Europe. That wasn't, I don't think, available in the United States because, you know, they have they have stores in Europe as well. And I was able to sell, like, this, it was all linen blazer. I believe I sold it for $27, which was a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good price for an H&M piece. It took a little while to sell it, but it did. So I'm not sure if I would sell those pieces necessarily to Plato's Closet. Or maybe I would. I don't know. We'll see how much they would give me for them. But why not? So we'll see what those will do. But just think about things like that. So if you go to the bins and you are able to get your inventory super, super cheap and you see all this other, these all these certain brands that you don't, doesn't do well, 
maybe think about them in a different way. What happens if you lot them up? What happens, because some people do like those brands, right? People do buy those brands. Um, What was it? I think Gap is the most bought brand. I think that's what I read recently. Gap, right? Because people like it. They understand it. They know how it fits them. And they just like it. So they buy it. People buy a lot of Old Navy. Um, I know if I can get Pixie or Harper Pants by Old Navy and I can get them for under $5, I generally pick them up, especially at the bins, because the bins, it's like a dollar. And I know I can sell those from anywhere from $12 to $20 for some Harper Pants. And maybe I'll start gathering those up and lotting them together to, to sell them off at a higher price. Here have two pairs of Harper Pants for blah, blah, blah. But the Pixie and the Harper tend to do really well. So it's just, it just think about, th- try to think about things in a different way. Like the bin picker say, think outside the box. <laughs> it's a great motto and it's really good philosophy to live by. If you're always trying to live or think outside the box, then you always think of new and creative ways in order to do what we do. And it, that can potentially bring you a lot of income. If you come up with a really creative way, and, and before you say, I'm not creative, I hate that when people say that. Everyone is creative. Every single person is creative. People always think creativity is 100% like art. It's not. Creativity comes in various forms, and most of us do. Most of us are creative with something almost every day. It's just your creativity is the ability to look at a problem and do a solution in such a way that is unique sometimes. That's how I look at creativity. If you can solve a problem in a unique way or a way that most people don't solve it, that's creative because that's what it is. That's what it is to me. Anyway, just keep thinking about that and um, yeah, thanks for listening.